Father, we just thank you for this time to give this morning. And Lord, I just pray that you just anoint these words as I share the reality of who Jesus is and what he does in each one of our lives. Father, just anoint the words, I pray. Amen. So over the last little while and up into Christmas, um, we've been looking at a series called Seeing Jesus, where we've been talking through various encounters that people had with Jesus in the Gospels and what that reveals about Jesus, his character, his nature, who he is, and how, and our, and how that affects our connection, our relationship with him. And if we see, because I believe that if we see Jesus more clearly, we will love him more completely, we can trust him more deeply, and we'll know him more intimately. See, wanting to see Jesus more clearly is, is really our goal, to encounter him, to live with him. That's what we're all about. So just, we just want to take time, and we've just been taking time to unwrap the stories of Jesus and the Gospels so we can see who he really is, how he interacted with people, so we can get to know him better and get to know him more. And today I want to take two encounters that, that Peter had. We're going to be looking at Luke 22 and John 21. Two encounters that Peter had with Jesus. And they're linked together. And so I want to talk them through a little bit today and open them up, hopefully. You know, Peter's an interesting guy. Uh, if, you haven't, if you've been in the church for any length of time, you would have heard Peter preached probably numerous times. And Peter's often preached for two reasons. Firstly, he's the disciple that's most often mentioned in the Bible, in the New Testament. He's the one out of all the, all the disciples he's referenced the most. But the second reason I think that Peter's so often preached about is that he's so relatable to us. I mean, out of all of the disciples, I think Peter is the one we mostly can identify with because he seems to be the messiest out of them all. <laughs> I mean, he just actually makes us feel better about ourselves, in all honesty. And so this morning, I want to give some context before we look at the stories we're about to look at. Excuse me. And hopefully give you some background of the understanding of who Peter was as we go into the stories today. And we're going to get, we're going to get to the story. We're going to end up at the story where Peter denied Jesus. But, but just the whole thing of understanding the background of that story, if you like. You see, to really discover who Peter was and the relationship he had with Jesus and how Jesus trusted him and believed in him. And now Peter obviously was a Jew. He was a fisherman. And it was his family business. His dad had been a fisherman. He was a hard worker and he was gritty. You know, that kind of trade in those days, it wasn't for someone who was soft. You had to be determined and firm. He, he made a good living out of what was a pretty hard role, really. So he was a no-nonsense kind of guy. He was confident. He was driven. He was messy. <laughs> he was pretty cocky. He's the guy that got out of the boat and walked towards Jesus when Jesus called him. But he's also the guy that cut the ear off of the high priest's servant when the guards came to take Jesus. He, he, he's the one who on the Mount of Transfiguration, when there's a sudden heavenly occurrence and the heavens open up and Moses and Abraham appeared and they stood there with Jesus and they all started glowing and there's just this incredible awesome presence of God and everyone's there and then you hear uh, excuse me <laughs> and Peter speaks up you know Peter is the one who decides that he needed to say something he's that guy 
fact, he's the only person in Scripture that actually interrupted all three members of the Godhead, which is a, a pretty good effort on anybody's part. He's the one who, when Jesus came and said to the disciples, I, I need to wash your feet, Jesus said, uh, Peter said, no, I'm not having it. Jesus said, I must do it to fill the law. So Peter jumped up and said, well, wash all of me. He's that kind of guy. You know? this, this is the Peter. This is who he was. He was bold. He was impulsive. He was messy. He was all those things. He was the leader of the disciples. It doesn't actually say that anywhere specifically, but whenever you read through the Gospels and into the early parts of Acts, it's very clear that Peter was the leader. He was the one entrusted to lead the disciples. In fact, there are four lists of the disciples in the, in the Gospels, and Peter's name is always the first one mentioned. We, we see also how important Peter was in the way that people interacted with him. When the, uh, there's a story about the temple tax collectors coming to uh, ask questions of Jesus, and they go to Peter, and they start with Peter. They approach Peter first. So we see that Jesus positioned Peter in such a way that he was trusted and empowered, that he was the leader of the 12 disciples. But not only was he the leader of the 12 disciples, but beyond that, Jesus actually invited him into an inner circle of intimacy. You see, we know from reading the Gospels there was, a, well, there was many layers, but the, the main three layers, there were 70 disciples that travelled with Jesus. Then there were 12, which was the, the, the more the inner core. And then finally there were three, which was the, the intimate inner circle. Peter, James and John. So Peter was right in there, right at the very midst of all that was going on. He was there with the most, when, in the most profound times, some of the most heart-wrenching times that Jesus went through. He had access to Jesus like very few people had. When, when, when Jesus tells to, to get everybody out of the room because he's about to raise Jairus' daughter from the dead, it's Peter that is one of the ones that's allowed to stay, to see and to be part of that momentum, momentum moment in the story of Jesus. In the Garden of Gethsemane, it was the inner circle of three that again were invited to share and to behold Jesus' hours of travail. And those three invited into perhaps what was the most darkest time of Jesus that Jesus went through. They were invited to be with him. So again, here's Peter. He's this confident leader. He, he's empowered as a leader. He's bold. He, he's... he's Part of the inner circle. See, that was Peter. This Peter was so trusted by Jesus. And not only that, but Jesus stuck by Peter. I mean, this was, this was a big deal. You see, because Peter, of all the disciples, made the biggest mistakes. I mean, some of the most consistent rebukes in the gospel were all pointed at Peter. I mean, it is not a good day when you say something and Jesus turns around and says to you, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> I mean, it's not a great moment in your life when Jesus, the Son of God, refers to you as Satan. You know what I'm saying? But that's Peter. That's Peter. And so in the midst of this, of Peter being so immature and so many times just being idiotic, 
In the middle of all that, Jesus stuck with Peter. He continued to believe in him. He continued to empower him. He continued to entrust him. I mean, he went as far as changing his name from Simon to Peter. The very idea of rock, Petros and Petra, Petra meaning rock, Petros, Peter. He was saying, Peter, I see in you something. You're immovable. You're going to be unshakable. You're going to be something that's steady. And even when Peter wasn't that, Jesus stuck with him. So you have this guy who's just kind of bouncing from one issue to another and Jesus standing there and being with him. But now we're going to come to a a piece of scripture where Peter is about to have a spectacular fall. Now, you know, again, let me remind you, and I'm trying to paint this because I want want you to grasp how huge this thing was. That, That this was a friend and intimate of Jesus. It wasn't just one of the 70 who kind of, who'd been around, hanging around. I mean, it wasn't a person who, yeah, yeah, I knew Jesus. I went to high school with him. We played a bit of ball, you know. We, we got on okay. But no, no, no. This was an intimate person. Perhaps one of the closest, well, it was one of the closest people to Jesus. Someone who, who had access, who'd been entrusted and empowered by him. And now he's going to have a spectacular fall where he denies Jesus in his most crucial moment of need. Listen to the story. You with me on this? Then arresting him, talking about Jesus, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him. Seated in the firelight, she looked closely at him and said, this man was with him. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you're also one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. And about an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is Galilean. Galilean. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Let me just stop there. One of the other uh, Gospels actually says that at, at that point, he curses. Peter actually curses the man. I mean, he, Peter right now is having a full-blown breakdown. I mean, at this moment, he is just losing it. He's there, but it's all just coming undone. He's anything but stable, reliable, unshakable, immovable. He's anything but the rock. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking... The rooster crowed. And here it is. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him before the rooster crows. Today you'll disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. What a profound story. Peter, the one who had been empowered. denies Jesus in this moment. I mean, the one that Jesus is stuck with. And I'm sure many times they just shaken his head, thought, ah, oh, Peter, but I'm here for you. But do you imagine how Peter must have felt? I mean, he must have just been shaken to the core. This, this, this Peter who was so cocky, who, who just days before, when Jesus said, people are going to abandon me, 
Peter's response was, forget it. I'll never deny you, Jesus. Never, not me, nope, won't happen. They're losers, not me. I'm here. I'm for you, Jesus. And Jesus said, Peter, you will. Peter puffed himself up and, and so easily and arrogantly declared, Jesus, I would die before I deny you. Jesus said, Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. <laughs> One of the things that we know about Peter, anything he did, he did big. I mean, he just doesn't do it once. He, he does it three times. In an hour in between, three, yeah, three times he denies Jesus. This Peter who was so confident, so believed himself to stand and to be the rock that Jesus had called him, fails, and he fails so spectacularly when he denies Jesus three times. See, and I think it's in those moments, and you know, we've, we've all been there. There are those times when we let Jesus down. I mean, the one who's stuck by us, who's believed in us, who, who's done so much for us, who's spoken life into us, and we just let him down. Maybe it isn't as dramatic as Peter. I mean, I'm painting this picture of Peter, um, and I'm showing him to be a massive failure. But maybe, and maybe you've never done anything like that. Well, maybe you have. Maybe it's been a moral fall. Maybe you've lost a business. Maybe you've had failed relationships. Maybe you feel like you've failed in raising your kids. Maybe it's an attitude that keeps popping into your mind. You know, maybe you struggle. The internet is not your friend. <laughs> and you find yourself on sites you shouldn't be on. And you hate yourself. You hate yourself for being there. But the next day you're back on the same sites. Maybe it's a large fail. Or maybe it's a bunch of little ones that just keep adding up. And I'm convinced that at the end of it all, you stand there and the reality of what you've done just hits you of everything that's just happened. I mean, can you imagine how Peter must have felt? He disqualifies himself. All that Jesus has done, all the times that Jesus has stuck by him, all the feelings that must have been going on in Peter's heart. I've disqualified myself. I've betrayed my best friend, the only one who really believed in me. You know, this is where I believe Peter was at. But you know what? This is where we want to go today. That Jesus, in the midst of all this, he's looking at Peter because in the midst of all this, Jesus is intent on Peter knowing this. Although you have failed, I still believe in you. I still believe in you. You see, you may not believe in yourself. You may have disqualified yourself. But Jesus is saying, I have not disqualified you. I still believe in you. I'm going to come and I'm going to find you. And I'm going to make sure you know that. And this is what happens with Peter. Jesus never stopped believing in him. And we see this when Jesus, in post-resurrection, Mary comes to the tomb. She's the first one to find the tomb. 
and she finds it empty, except there are some angels there. And they speak to her, and they say, give her, and they give her a message. Listen to this, Mark 16, verse 7. But go and tell the disciples and Peter, he is going to be ahead of you, into, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. You see, it's like the angel, Jesus says to the angels, guys, I've got an assignment for you. I want you to go down, I want you to have a chat to Mary, and I want you to tell her, to tell the disciples, I'm going to meet them in, in Galilee. Oh, and by the way, make sure that Peter hears that. Make sure that Peter gets that message that I'm including him. Because you see, Peter had disqualified himself, and he thought, I'm finished. I'm no longer one of the disciples. I can't, how can I even move? But Jesus says, listen, make sure Peter's there. Make sure Peter's there. Name him by name. Because you see, Peter just failed spectacularly. But I have a message for him. And I want to meet with him. Because Peter, you've given up on yourself. You've stopped believing in yourself. You've thought that you were disqualified. But listen, I haven't given up on you. You've not failed me. You've not been disqualified. So Jesus says to these angels, make sure you name him. Say, Peter, go and tell the disciples and Peter, because I want to talk to him about something. And Jesus appears to, to the two Marys, and then he, post-resurrection this is, and then he appears to the disciples. And the first disciple appears to is Peter, and he has this meeting with Peter on the seashore. And this is an important meeting because it's there that Jesus affirms that Peter is who he said he was, that he's a rock. John 21. When they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon, Peter, Simon, son of John, do you, do you uh, love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know these things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Now listen to this. Jesus is about to, uh, he's about to tell him how he's going to die. About Jesus, how Jesus, uh, sorry, how Peter is going to die. And it's really an interesting piece of, of scripture. It's, it's a piece of scripture that I'd always been puzzled about. You see, Peter had been so cocky. He'd been so, I'll never let you down. You've named me rock. I'm reliable. I'm immovable. I'm unshakable. But when the rubber met the road, he was anything but that. So Jesus is going to tell him how he's going to die. And the reason that this is important is because Jesus is going to reaffirm, you are who I said you are. You are a rock. You are immovable and unshakable. I mean, Peter's about to establish the church. And even by the death on which he's going to die, it's going to show that he is immovable and unshakable and he will be the rock to the end. So Jesus is affirming and confirming to Peter, I still believe in you. Listen to what he says. Truly, truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went there where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. 
It's a little bit of a confusing piece of scripture, but what it is there is that Jesus is telling him, he's telling Peter, trust me, you won't fail me. You're going to be who I said you were going to be. And see, it's so important that we see Jesus clearly. Because when I see Jesus for who he is, then I can anchor myself in the truth of who he is. When I see Jesus for who he is, then it becomes an anchor point in my life. This truth becomes the anchor point in my life. And here is the truth that I want you to anchor your life to. The truth that Peter had to find. And it's in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13, and it says this. We are faithless. He remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. The New Living Translation puts it this way. We are unfaithful. He remains faithful, for he can de- cannot deny who he is. In other words, he remains true to us, not because of anything we've done or who we are, but because of who he is. And he is faithful. I mean, even when Peter fell, even when Peter denied him, Jesus never stopped believing in him. Even though Peter had given up on himself, Jesus never did. This is so profound. I think one of the great tragedies of the church is the number of people who have sidelined themselves because they believe they are disqualified because of something that they have happened. I mean, it may not have been huge. Or or it may have been a moral failure. It may have been something that wasn't that grand on that scale. But we know our lies and we know the inconsistencies. We know the frailties that make us up. We know our weaknesses. And these things begin to add up in our mind. And soon we find ourselves making a decision that we are disqualified. And we stop believing in ourselves. I stop believing in myself. But do you know who Jesus is? He is the one. And that even when you're unfaithful, even with all those failures, even everything's gone wrong, he is faithful and he believes in you. He believes in you. Because he cannot deny who he is. It's not about you, it's about who he is. And who is he? He's the one who is faithful. So people sideline themselves. Listen, God has a plan for your life. There is a purpose for your life. And many people never reach their potential or fulfill their purpose, never accomplish the plan God has for them because they have sidelined themselves. They've taken themselves out of the game because they're convinced that they're disqualified, because they've stopped believing in themselves when Jesus hasn't. (coughs) Excuse me. And so Jesus comes and he says, listen, I want to touch your life. You see, we're our own worst critics. I mean, I'm a critical thinking individual. I'm a critical thinker, which is great if there's something needing improving. I go into a room, there are 100 things going on, 98 are are great, two of them need fixing. I see that. That's great. But it's not so great when it's areas of your life. Because you know what? You can become so brutal assessing your own life that you begin to kill yourself. You see, because do you know who's the most intimately aware of our weaknesses? 
who's the most intimately aware of our failures and shortcomings? You. We live with them every day. We're so convinced that in some things we're, we're completely finished. And Jesus comes and he says to the disciples and Peter, I want to tell Peter something. He is not disqualified. I mean, Peter is going to be foundational member in establishing the church of Jesus Christ on the earth. He's going to be part of birthing the church. Peter was going to be a leader, a significant leader in the New Testament church. So Jesus needed him to know that he believed in him. That you are the rock, Peter. You are the leader that I empowered and entrusted you to be. Don't disqualify yourself because of this. But we're our own worst critics. The, the peer, the, look, the number of people I know who just get stuck, who can't move because they've done something and they're so caught up in it and they think they fail. They don't believe Jesus. Or they can't receive this extravagant faithfulness of God that says, even though you have stopped believing in you, I haven't. God's faithfulness is extravagant. You know, there are some people who just don't believe in experts. <laughs> they just don't believe in them. They believe more in themselves, you know. Oh, this is what the doctor said, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I looked it up on the internet, and I think it's probably this. And kind of that, well, yeah, hey, they're probably trained in that. You know, they're probably an expert in that. Yeah, maybe, maybe. You know, there are people who just don't believe experts. You see, it doesn't matter what Peter was telling himself. The expert, Jesus, Jesus was giving him a, a heavenly reality check. If Jesus says he believes in you, he's the expert. We can believe him. You see, we think, listen, I've fallen, I've done this, I need to be punished. I've disqualified myself, I'm unworthy. And we begin all this negative self-talk. I shouldn't be trusted any longer. Not only do we begin this negative self-talk, we begin to withdraw ourselves from the body. Oh no, I can't be available, I can't do I can't, because I'm so unworthy. And we begin to, to, to almost, we live in this place of disqualification. But Jesus comes and says, Peter, listen, I'm going to be sticking with you forever. You denied me, but I can't. Peter, Jesus comes and says, I believe in you. You're going to be a leader in my church. And if he says that, we have to believe him. There is something so reassuring Something so confident when people come to you and they believe in you that deeply. Yeah, and, and hey, we've been talking about Jesus and community. It's about people who believe in us so deeply as well. We need that. We need that for each other. People who just see the best. We all need people that deeply believe in who we are. When we have that person or, or people who believe in us like that, it's so empowering. It's so empowering, isn't it? I remember when I, um, I qualified as a pharmacist, did a year's internship at Helensville. And Helensville, you know, it's north of Auckland. You probably mostly know it. If you drove that way and blinked, you missed it, but it's out there. <laughs> it's, a, you know, one horse town and then the horse died type of thing. And, and um, it, it, it's just, 
you know, it's there. And so I did my internship there with two doctors, you know, and uh, so it was a pretty safe place. And Sue and I were getting married, and so we came in and I got a job in Auckland up in Mount Eden. And all of a sudden, going from two, two doctors whose writing I knew, suddenly went to, on an average of probably 40 or 50 doctors a day, prescribing all sorts of things, just a crazy pharmacy that did hospitals, did, we did all sorts of things, rest homes, and, and I'm just like, I am so out of my depth. I just got no idea, you know. I had the academic qualification, I had a bit of experience, but this was behavior. But I had a boss, a guy called Barry Stewart, and he was just incredible. He believed in me. And he just constantly inputted in my life, constantly entrusted me, constantly spoke great things over me, you know. And when I actually ended up finishing working for him, which was probably, what, seven years? Seven years later, he made a comment. He said, you know, you and I have never, ever had a harsh word. And, and just, the f- but his belief in me, what he taught me, what he empowered me to do, to make me, to allow me to grow and believe in myself. It's so empowering, isn't it? When someone believes in us that deeply. You know, when you've stopped believing in yourself, when you're disqualified, when you've lost hope because you've been unfaithful or because you have failed and someone believes in you. Peter's fail was so spectacular. And then Jesus shows up and says, you're a rock. Are you kidding me? Did you, were you, oh, you were there. (laughs) You saw what I, you know what I did to you. Yeah. But I believe in you, Peter. I still believe in you. Your job isn't done. It's just beginning. I know you're going to make it. Yeah, that wasn't the best thing you did. But hey, Peter, I believe in you. Absolutely incredible. Absolutely And I tell you what, that's the kind of community I want us to be. You see, you may be here today and listening to what I'm saying, and you may not feel disqualified in any way. You may be thinking, actually, Jack, I feel pretty good. Well, that's awesome. Not everybody in this room feels disqualified. But I tell you what, There is someone else sitting in this room today who feels like they have disqualified themselves, who feel like they can't make it, they can't make the the grade because they did something and God won't actually use them any longer. They're not sure about themselves. They feel disqualified. Things aren't working in my life. I I know where I'm a failure. God isn't interested in my prayers any longer. Man, I blew it with my kids again. I wasn't great with my life. I have this going on and this going on. Listen, we have to be Jesus to people and say, listen, I believe in you. This is who Jesus called you to be. And even though you may not have lived up to the name that Jesus gave you yet, I still believe in you because I know you haven't disqualified and there's still time to come. And that name is going to manifest itself. You see, when someone believes in you that much, you just fall in love with Jesus more. I've shared this story before how one time in a church, I wasn't a pastor at the time, although I was leading the church at this particular time, and we'd just been in a war zone. It had just been horrible, and it was just everything had been going on. And I was standing at the front of the church, and I was just standing there one morning in worship, and Jesus walked down the aisle. And he put his arm on my shoulder and he said, you've done good, boy. 
you've done good. I mean, that just broke me. It just broke me. Just broke me. I mean, like, come on. You know, to have him believe in you. He is faithful. He is faithful. He is faithful. One of the two, sometimes in our spontaneous worship, I just find myself just declaring that. Oh, God, you are so faithful. Jesus, thank you for your faithfulness. I have blown it so many times this week. But your faithfulness, I thank you that your faithfulness isn't connected to my faithfulness. I'm glad that my faithfulness does not determine your faithfulness. Because you see, he cannot deny himself and he is faithful, so he is full of faithfulness towards you. That is who Jesus is for you. He is faithful. And as a community, that's who we need to be for others. It may only be one or two of you here today, maybe I don't know. But let me tell you this morning, you are not disqualified. Whatever failure you've walked through, listen to me. Jesus believes in you. You are not disqualified. You are not to stay where you are. You know, Peter didn't continue as a failure. He, he, he stepped up and he became the rock that God spoke into his life. And we need to no longer stay where we are. Sometimes, you know, we get into a place of security and safety in our denial and in those lies that we believe. But I'm wanting to call you awake again into the reality of God's faithfulness. Peter's death demonstrated the steady, immovable, unshakable rock that he was going to become. That at the end of his life, he didn't deny Jesus. It cost him his life, but he did not deny Jesus. I want to, you know, this is where you are headed. I don't care where your situation is, what you've done. If you step up and, re- and begin to understand his faithfulness, then you are in that place. You will become who God has called you to be. Don't disqualify yourself. Man, I don't want people on the sideline. I want you to get into the game. Don't let yourself be sidelined. There are so many ways we get taken out by the enemy. You know that? Being critical is one of them, being critical of, of those around us. You know, and, and being of that, I mean, that, and that's a whole other sermon for another day, but also being critical of us, of ourselves. And I am here this morning to tell you, folks, Jesus believes in you. And he's inviting you to step back into the amazing call he has on your life. Let's stand, shall we? You know, as I said, you may be standing here today and, and think, well, that's all good and well, but that's not me. Well, that's great. I mean, it's, that's, I'm so thrilled for you that you stepped up. But as I said, I can also guarantee that there are others in this room that are right now are struggling with self-criticism, self-condemnation, and possibly even self-loathing. And you know what? They need you to step up. They need you to begin to speak encouragement into their lives, into who they are. And what I want us to do for a couple of minutes, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to come this morning and speak to each one of us. 
I'm going to ask him to tell you how God sees you. Now, now you may not have done this before. It may sound a little scary, okay? But let me tell you, God only has nice things to say. And sometimes you do something like this and, and things come into our mind and it's condemnation. That's not God. That's the enemy. See, God speaks positive because he wants, it's not about who you were. God looks at who we are and who we're going to become. Not who we were and who we are, but who we are and who we're going to become. He's what's called present future looking. It's always moving us forward. We're always being transformed from glory to glory. And so that's what God does to us. And so sometimes we allow our own self-negative talk to speak to us. But I know the Holy Spirit will talk to you this morning and He will speak good things into your heart. God wants to tell you how much He loves you. And even if you're here this morning and you don't know, you're not a Jesus follower yet, that's okay. Because the Holy Spirit talks to everybody. (laughs) And He'll even tell you how much Jesus loves you and how much He wants to have relationship with you. I have every confidence that God will speak to you. So what I want you to do is I just want you to relax and close your eyes. Just still yourself. And I'm just going to invite the Holy Spirit. We're just going to have, you know, just maybe 30 seconds. Just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us of who we are. Okay? So Father, I thank you for your presence here this morning. I thank you that you are faithful. That Jesus, you believe in us. And Father, I just pray right now, Holy Spirit, I invite you to come and speak to each person here. Speak into their hearts, their minds and their spirits. Begin to just speak to them, Lord. Just begin to release into them fresh revelation of who you are. And Father, of how faithful you are towards them and who they are. Father, speak words of encouragement into each person right now. Come, Holy Spirit. Just relax and just allow the things that come into your mind, those words, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Words of hope, words of peace, affirmation, authority, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. To allow your presence to touch each one here this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, I thank you for your faithfulness. Not based on who we are or what we've done, but based on the fact that you are faithful. And Father, I pray again this morning, I just break in the name of Jesus lies that have been over our lives that have imprisoned us. I speak release right now. Right now, Father, lies that have 
have imprisoned us and sidelined us from walking into the destiny, the calling that we have on our lives. And Father, I release hope, I release peace, and I release freedom in the name of Jesus. New levels, Father. New levels of encounter with you. And a new sense of determination to walk in the calling that you've released on each of our lives. Thank you, Father. Amen.